0: This podcast is brought to you by the Eisner-nominated Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. ha Hi, this is Tom Cook. I was an animator on He-Man and Shira, and in, you're listening to The Two-Headed Nerd with Joe and Matt. Sort of, sort of break, it, break it down like good. Broadcasting from the Ziggurat in Omaha, deep below the metro area, it's my pleasure to welcome you to episode 165. Of THM. We're talking comics and nerd news. Joe Patrick is a little more tired every week for the week of Wednesday, June 4th. My name is Matt Baum. You can find me on the Twitter, under the handle at Matt Baumstein. When I'm not getting my ass kicked by the Omaha chapter of the Red Hat Society, I'm writing the comic speculator blog for wordpoint.com. And I'm Joe Patrick. You can find
1: me at Joe Patrick116 on the Twitter. And when I'm not stealing all the good comics to review, while my co-host recuperates from his septuagenarian curb stomping, I'm the manager of Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska.
0: Hey, those ladies were serious. You don't want to mess with them. You see that pic I put up? You're a media. In this week's episode, you'll hear our in-depth reviews of Princess Ugg, number one, and Batman 66 Means Great Hornet, number one, which... It's a mouthful. If you don't read comic books and you tell someone that that is the title of something, they would look at you and go... What the f*** did you just say to me? <laughs> After that, we'll review 10 more of this week's new comics, Faster Than the Country Can Turn on a Prisoner of War during the Ludicrous Speed Round. Then, we'll retire to the THM Center St. Colum, where Dave Batista is painted green, pouring margaritas, and talking with us about next week's comics. And finally, it's Ask a Nerd time, where one lucky listener will get his deepest, darkest comic question answered. So... Dust off your newly banned vuvuzelas and make a noise like a goose falling into a black hole in protest of the Brazilian government spending $12 billion on a f***ing soccer game instead of spending a cent to help their own population. And then we'll talk about this week's Big news. Yes. Big News!
1: It looks like Marvel has named their Doctor Strange director. I didn't even know this was happening. It's happening. THR, that's the Hollywood Reporter, and Variety have both reported that Sinister and The Exorcism of Emily Rose director Scott Derrickson will helm the film for Marvel Studios. Doctor Strange, of course, is Marvel's Sorcerer Supreme, Master of the Mystic Arts, and Occasional Avenger. The studio hasn't confirmed the news, but Derrickson himself tweeted, quote, My next movie will be Strange. Well, that doesn't mean anything. Along with a photo of him holding a Doctor Strange comic in front of his face. Well, that
0: could mean anything.
1: you do the math. (laughs) Now, Matt, you know damn well I haven't seen any of this guy's movies.
0: Do you think Derrickson is a good fit for the film? I like the choice, and here's why. I didn't care for The Exorcism of Emily Rose, not because it was a poorly directed film, The story just kind of sucked.
1: That's what somebody else said. They were saying that that was more of a script issue than a direction issue.
0: Yeah, definitely. Like, there was very scary stuff that happened. There was really good imagery. And the guy is a good director. I have not seen Sinister. I think that was Kevin Bacon, as I recall. No clue. But it got really good reviews. And I have it in my queue to watch now. And I remember wanting to watch it a while ago. But I think it's really cool that Marvel Studios is going for a horror director... To do Doctor Strange. For a supernatural movie, yeah. I don't want to see magic and adventure. You know, like, I want to see Doctor Strange dealing with super scary, supernatural, demonic, you know, black magics and evil mysteries. Totally. I agree. This is a great direction for them to go. I think Derrickson is young and coming up, and props to him for getting this job. It's another... Marvel's been really good at selecting these directors, where we all kind of go... Who is this guy? Wait a minute. He hasn't done anything. That, and then it turns out they knock it out of the park.
1: Well, it's they they always pick somebody who's a name, but not a name you'd expect. Like right. Kenneth Branagh is going to direct Thor.
0: Exactly. Hold and on. You know what? <laughs> I, I brought that up last night when I was talking about this with someone. I'm like, well, when, everybody, when they announced Kenneth Branagh was directing Thor, we all went,
1: what? And then we loved it. Yeah, and James, the guy that made Slither, is going to direct Guardians of the Galaxy. Exactly. Wait a second.
0: <laughs> no, I think this is a very cool choice, and I think it's good news for the Doctor Strange movie.
1: Hopefully, he doesn't work on it for eight years before
0: they break up, just like Edgar Wright. Oh, too soon, asshole. <laughs> In comic news, Marvels announced the new Moon Knight creative team following the departure of Warren Ellis and Declan Shalvey after issue six. Brian Wood of Star Wars, X-Men, DMZ, and a million other comic books that he writes every month will be taking over the duties, while Greg Smallwood, co-creator of Dark Horse's critically acclaimed series, The Dream Thief, which Joe and I both really enjoyed, yeah. will take over art duties. Jordi Belair will remain as series colorist. The new team will take over with Moon Knight number 7 in September and plans to maintain the series' done-in-one style of storytelling. Joe, is this new team a good choice? Or is Ellis's departure the sign of yet another inevitable cancellation for Marvel's rip-off Batman? Poor Moon Knight. <laughs> I know.
1: I hope that it's the sign of something good. At first, I was really sad to hear Warren Ellis was leaving. But dude, this is Brian Wood. I understand. I No, no, no. It's not about not liking Brian Wood. It's about not wanting Warren Ellis to
0: go. Gotcha.
1: But if you think about it for two seconds... Like, think about it intellectually and not emotionally. Right. Warren Ellis is not going to stay on a corporately owned property
0: for very long. No. I mean, he gave it a nice—he reinvented the character. He set us up with a new status quo. It's totally rad. If anybody is going to make this book even more interesting, I think it's Brian
1: Wood. And I think it's a good choice to replace him. I think Greg Smallwood is an excellent
0: pick for artists. Yeah, That dude is amazing. He's really, really good.
1: And it's going to maintain that same kind of tone because Jordi Belair will be on it. Yeah. And I'm glad to hear that they're going to stick with the the one-shot issues rather than doing,
0: like, huge arcs and stuff. I've really been enjoying the small, weird mystery... Yeah, it's just a fun read every month. I mean, like, it's by no means the best thing out there in the stands, but it's a quick, fun, and badass read. Right. I, I My hope is that
1: people give it a chance instead of bailing on it because they've heard Ellis has left. I don't know. Even his
0: pointless X-Men book is pretty fun. You know, (laughs) I've already had
1: a couple people ask me to drop, Moon Knight from their pull files at Legend. Yeah. And the arc, not only is Ellis's arc not over, but Wood hasn't even had a chance. Right. And that's when books get into trouble, where it's like, superstar guy kicks off a book and yeah. then
0: leaves, and then everybody leaves with him. And I think that's one thing that you and I can lose sight of. Maybe you, you're better at it because you work in a comic book store and you're dealing with the peasants day in and day out, <laughs> but- I lose sight of that, just, like, in reporting the news and talking about these guys and what they're doing. Like, we know this stuff. So when the name changes on the cover from Ellis to Wood, you and I can go, oh, great. But someone who doesn't necessarily know that much Brian Wood, and Warren Ellis has been around for a long time, you know, yeah. I can see how they might be like, well, I'm done with that. Because nine times out of ten, when you hear the creative team is switching – it's to somebody that's not as good, <laughs> or well, someone that you don't know or like, you know. Well, and
1: I can I can see that surely there is probably a large number of people reading Moon Knight now. Yeah, that are only reading Moon Knight because Ellis is
0: writing it, not because they love Moon Knight. That, I'm sure I'm one of the only people that genuinely loves Moon Knight. Yeah, so
1: <laughs> I just I want the book to succeed, and I think that the incoming creative team is exciting. Yeah, and if you have to lose Ellis and Shalvey
0: who also, by the way, is amazing. Declan Shelby? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I do think that's going to be a huge art change. I mean, like this other guy. It's a
1: different style small. for sure. Smallwood's fantastic,
0: yeah. but he's completely different.
1: Yeah, but I'm excited to see it, and I hope people give it a chance, and I really hope to see Declan Shelby on something, like,
0: big. Oh, I wouldn't worry about that. Uh, that dude deserves a big name assignment. Yeah, I think he's probably got, they've got a huge announcement for him real quick here. Awesome. Finally, Archie
1: Comics has announced a new ongoing series starring Sabrina the Teenage Witch. It's about goddamn time. In the vein of the enormously popular and terrifying Afterlife with Archie. The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina will launch in October. Written by Afterlife with Archie Scribe and Archie Comics Chief Creative Officer, Roberto Aguirre-Sacasa. With art by Robert Hack. The series will be set in the 1960s and will feature Sabrina learning about her powers while keeping them a secret from those around her. While many characters know about Sabrina's abilities in the regular cheery Riverdale, that knowledge will come with a steep price in the new series. In an interview with USA Today, Aguirre-Sacasa said, quote, "...the cost of anyone finding out her secret..." which happens at the end of the first issue, comes with dire, deadly consequences.
0: Just like the TGIF show did. Yeah, right. <laughs> Melissa Joan Hart <laughs> slipped up she and Harvey a, died. She left a wake of bodies like, <laughs> like behind her.
1: The writer expects the horror in Sabrina to be even scarier than Afterlife with Archie. <laughs>
0: this is like
1: a quote. Like, is this a joke? Nope. <laughs> it's a story about witches and witchcraft, demonology and occultism. The monsters are going to be more diabolical. Matt, <laughs>
0: this sounds awesome. I, I, it really does. I, I. There was you should have seen the preview art. Did you see the preview I did, art they put it looks up? Cool as hell. I can't believe I'm saying it, but yeah, I'm excited for a Sabrina the Teenage Witch book. That's not something I'm going to repeat in polite, you know, <laughs> conversation, Because <Right. laughs> it makes you sound like a pervert. <laughs> but man,
1: what the hell, Archie? I remember the last Sabrina the Teenage Witch comic was drawn in that like chibi anime style. And it was like, they look, everyone looked like a Bratz character, right? right? It's just like, to go from that to this. Yeah. Like this period piece, like weird, gothic. Yeah. Ugh. Amazing. (laughs) I am really excited. And now, Francesco Francavia, of course, is a huge part of what makes Afterlife with Archie so great. Right. The picture that they put up, drawn by this artist, Robert Hack.
0: Who I don't know. I've do never heard of of him. Okay.
1: It's legitimately... Amazing! Yeah, he looks great. It's really wonderful. And it's got that same kind of muted color. Not monochrome, but maybe like yeah. one or two. It's beautiful. I can't wait. This looks,
0: again, oh, like a ton of fun. I don't get it. I don't know why witch. it's happening. I'm not even happy about oh, it, but it looks great oh, the <laughs> I'm happy of witch. Talking about my witch now, y'all. You better hear what I say every day. Listen to me. That's the big news for this week. If you'd like to discuss these stories or anything you think we missed, hit us up at the THN forums where I've outed Joe Patrick's secret Wiccan history and am lobbying for his immolation because, folks, it's the only way to be sure. You got to burn these guys.
1: You don't want to try to swing me? No. What if you live? What if it turns out you're innocent? Well, Matt, if I sink and drown, then you know that I wasn't a witch.
0: That's true. That's true. But then I look like the asshole. Okay? (laughs) I'm so happy I could
1: plot. Not on the kitchen table.
0: Every Sunday, my favorite witchy woman, Joe Patrick, posts the question of the week in our THN web forum, which you can find by clicking the link at TwoHeadedNerd.com. Joe, what are we asking the listeners this week? This week's
1: question comes courtesy of Brian DuPont on our forums he wants to know what is your favorite knockdown, drag out, superhero fight? Hero versus hero, hero versus villain, villains versus villains, whatever. That's a fun one. That's a great question. Yeah, man. It's a great question. Yeah. Now, you have until midnight, this coming Thursday, June 12th, to get us your answer. You can call and leave a message with your answer using Skype, our Skype handle is two-headed nerd, all one word, or. Call our Ziggurat hotline, 402-819-4894. Remember, keep it short. Google will cut you off. Matt will definitely cut
0: you off. I'll kick you in the head.
1: We've got a lot of people that contribute, so let's share the airtime. Pick one answer. Tell us why you love it. Your favorite fight. Not, not your, fights. You're right. Mm. If you need more time, if you need more space, you want to list more than one, go to the THN forums, right to your heart's content. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Ooh, and feel free to post like art of the fight there like
1: Oh yeah I love it Post panels man Let's do it Remember you can send An mp3 to two at gmail.com If you want to join The mp3 crew We've got a surplus Of sleeveless jean jackets And patches Yeah we ordered heavy on them Just waiting To send out to people <laughs> It was a minimum order Of 2500 So <laughs> Listen That's why we are Always asking for donations <laughs> It's review time on THN Where Matt and I Put off growing up For another week by pretending that we're doing the comic book world a service instead of getting real jobs. That's true. Matt, tell us about how you've disappointed your
0: parents and what you picked to review this week. This week, I picked Princess Ugg number one from Oni, written and drawn by Ted Nafee. That's how you pronounce that. Okay, great. I didn't know. A new series from Courtney Crumran's Ted Nafee. Within the fairy tale kingdom of Atrasca lies the prestigious Princess Academy, where young royals from all five kingdoms come to get their education. But they've never before seen the like of Princess Ulga of Grameria, armed with axe and sword, riding her war mammoth through the city gates. Ulga has come in search of schooling. But This barbarian princess might just end up schooling the people of Atreska before that happens! Ted Fee is no stranger to strong-willed female characters, and here he's writing and drawing his strongest and most stubborn to date. They just happen to be two separate ladies. Princess Ulga is a short, feisty Viking princess from a harsh, frozen mountain country that longs to see the world against her father's wishes, of course. It looks like this is going to be an odd couple story featuring Ugg and her new roommate, the stereotypical rich, empowered, and spoiled princess of Atreska. I was a fan of Nafi's Courtney Crumrin and went so far as to introduce the series to my niece, who also fell in love with the character. I plan on throwing this one at her as well. Here, he's still writing an empowered female, but this time she is a true wild woman, a young berserker Viking seeking to experience the rest of the world with her woolly mammoth friend, Snorri. <laughs> Nafi's art is detailed where it needs to be here, while he's fleshing out the city of Atreuska, for example, but also very cartoonish and kinetic. When it needs to be There's some really fun Fight scenes Where we first see Princess Ugg Enter the city Of course she doesn't Know the rules And they're saying Out of the way For this other Very special princess And they come And they move her aside And she beats the hell Out of all the guards It's great And it's fun Princess Ugg Is unstoppable In polite society But Willing to play along in the name of education. She wants to learn. We all agree there are not enough empowered female characters in fiction, let alone in comics. But Ted Nafee is doing his best to change that and giving readers an extremely fun story along the way. This is a great take on the coming of age heroine slash hero goes to a school full of weirdos trope. And I'm looking forward to more. I'm giving this a buy it. It was just a good time.
1: Yeah, I agree. I liked this a lot. The art is really
0: beautiful. Yeah.
1: He's Just a, he's a very stunning artist. And I didn't realize how good he was because I've never really, like I've read a couple issues of Courtney Kremren. But I didn't follow it closely. But I remember it being very cartoony, like yeah, very stylized. I think
0: he's doing a different thing there. Yeah,
1: it's a di- he was doing a different style in, right. in that comic. This is like much more realistic looking and very lush. The backgrounds are
0: gorgeous. Yeah, this is more almost like David Peterson looking. To yeah, me. a little bit. I got sort of a mouth guard feel from some of it.
1: When uh, she comes down from the mountain and she f- walks into the city for the first time, it's this two page spread of her like walking into the city. Square, yeah, it's full of beautiful. people and jesters and and yeah and amazing. everyone reacting
0: to her. Flash page.
1: Well, it was really wonderful. Yeah, I think it's a fun story. It's great to see him doing something a little different. Yeah, you know. And I'm looking forward
0: to more of this. It's a buy it for me as well. Yeah, and this is a guy, this is a talented guy making comics for girls that aren't cheesecake books, and that's important. There was a scene where one princess is being bathed by handmaidens and everything. And while we see Princess Ugg, you know, getting sprayed with her woolly mammoth to wake up and jumping into freezing cold water. And, like, it wasn't a cheesecakey nudie scene. No, I mean, there's certainly no nudity, but you
1: see a little bit more than you would expect to in a book that I thought was all ages. I suppose, but I think maybe
0: he's trying to show us that these aren't little girls, you know. Right,
1: and that's fine. And, like, you know, like Matt said, it's not... Look at these hot teenagers naked. Right, this didn't it's come off. It's not like that. Cake. It's just it. But I did notice it. I went, oh, I thought that like I thought Princess Ugg was like l- really young, and then you get to that scene. I think she's just short. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it is something that I noticed, and so maybe it's a little bit more mature than some all ages books, but it's also not gratuitous, no. and it's there's no. no not at
0: all. It was handled very well.
1: I, I would say it's a. PG, equivalent of a PG movie, right?
0: All right, you pervert. Tell us about Batman 66 meets Green Hornet, number one.
1: I didn't want to talk about it. You made me talk about it. I apologize
0: for that.
1: (laughs) Batman 66 meets the Green Hornet, number one from DC Comics, written by Kevin Smith and Ralph Garman, with art by Ty Templeton. Here's your solicit. In 1967, television history was made when two masked crime fighters met in a historic crossover. Now, superstar filmmaker Kevin Smith blah, 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 bring these two iconic characters and their famous partners together again. Set in the continuity of that earlier team-up, Batman, the Green Hornet, Robin, and Kato must go up against a very different general, formerly Colonel, Gum. What crime could be so deadly as to force these rivals to put aside their differences and join forces again? And what surprise... Does
0: Gum have up his sticky sleeve? I just looked up Ralph Garman. He's totally that guy. You know what I mean? Like, you would be like, who's Ralph? Oh, that guy. <laughs> you know? Ralph Garman
1: like, does a lot of his podcasting. He podcasts with him. Yeah. And then and I he's think been he's been in a
0: ton of TV shows. He's like, a actor? minor character. I yeah, thought he's an, he was an actor. was just a writer.
1: Now, I wasn't sure what to expect when DC announced that Kevin Smith would be writing this series. In fact,
0: <laughs> I know what I thought was going to happen. <laughs> I was
1: kind of dreading it. But I'm happy to say that Smith reigns in the tone that has tanked his last several Batman series for me and delivers a solid, fun read. I don't know if it's the subject matter or the influence of co-writer Ralph Garman, but the script is a perfect match for the tone of the Batman TV show, complete with the omniscient narrator at the beginning and end. The dialogue is completely free of Kevin Smith's usual Kevin Smithiness, and I'm happy to report... That not a single character offers to let someone else sodomize them, <laughs> at least not in this issue. See, you know, I think it would have worked here. Yeah. I don't know. The story itself is, of course, goofy and campy, and it's exactly what you want from a comic like this. The scene where Bruce Wayne and Britt Reed try to one-up each other without revealing their identities is especially fun. It's great to read stories about these characters and realize things that I didn't understand as a kid, like the fact that Green Hornet and Kato are heroes pretending to be criminals. I was never aware of that as a kid. I uh, Yeah, I wasn't either. Yeah. Huh. But yeah, they totally address it in, in here. Like the, the Green Hornet is a mob boss or whatever, or a gang leader. It breezed right past me when I watched that episode hmm. when I was younger. Totally fun to realize it here. The art by Ty Templeton is wonderful. Templeton is one of my favorites, and he knocks it out of the park here.
0: Doesn't do enough work.
1: No. Every panel is loaded with detail. The character likenesses are close enough without being distractingly photo-referenced, which is a huge thing for me. And there are even some fun sight gags like a laughing fish mounted on the wall in Bruce Wayne's study that made me chuckle. I really enjoy these Batman 66 comics. There isn't anything earth-shattering happening here, but the stories are just plain fun. This issue harkens back to my favorite episodes of The Adam West Show. I had a great time reading it. Looking forward to more. I'm giving it a buy it.
0: Yeah, they're just fun. They're just too much fun, and it's obviously not where you want to go if you want a hyper serious Batman story. No, no, but it's absolutely want, not. If you want the lighthearted, fun Silver Age, you know, like and with amazing art type Batman story, you can't go wrong here. It was a ton of fun, huge buy. So
1: that's a double buy it for Princess Ugg number one and for Batman sixty six meets the Green Hornet number one. Of course, we want to know what you Berserker Babes and Millionaire Vigilantes thought of these comics. So smack us on the butt with your opinions over at the This Week's Comics section of the THN forums, which you can find by clicking the forum button at twoheadednerd.com. Why are they slapping us on the butt? I don't know. Okay. Oh. Why not? Smack us on the butt. Why
0: not? He's been called an athlete, a hero, and a horse of destiny, but we here at THN No California Chrome, the horse competing for the coveted Triple Crown, as a captive and victim of the barbaric sport of horse racing, where rich people congratulate themselves for buying a horse and picking the right short guy with a high-pitched voice to whip the out of it. Well, we're not gonna stand for this kind of animal cruelty anymore, so join us along with our good friend Comet the Superhorse and She-Ra's best friend Swiftwind and our main chameleon homeboy, Whitey, as we break into the stables to free all the competitors and take a on the run for carnations, all while we review ten of this week's new comics during the Ludicrous Speed Round! And I assure you all, no animals were harmed during this recording. Ludicrous Speed! The Superannuated Man, number one from Image.
1: Ted McKeever is back and up to his usual insanity. Honestly, I can almost never make heads or tails of the story in a Ted McKeever comic. It's true. And this is no different. But his art is really wonderful. And I'm happy to see that he's still
0: producing work, even if I don't understand it. Skim it. I think at this point, Ted McKeever could just put out like a super mediocre, boring superhero book. And people would be like oh, that guy's brilliant. Do you see what he chose to do? <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> New Vampirella number one from Dynamite. Sonya Blue writer Nancy A. Collins gets a shot at writing Vampirella and does a solid job making the bikini-clad vampire readable. Vampy is working for the Vatican investigating the kidnapping of a little girl only to find out that she is the real target. I have to say, this is the first Vampirella comic to really hold my attention for an entire issue, so that's gotta make this a buy it. Wasn't bad at all. I'm stunned. Pretty good art, too. Rise of the Magi, number one, from Image Top Cow. The first issue of this new
1: series by Mark Silvestri and Sumei Keskin. That
0: sure looks like a typo to me, but hey. (laughs) It really does, but I (laughs) cut and pasted it, I promise.
1: It's a bit of a hot mess, if I'm uh, being honest with you. Several pages are spent recapping the free comic book day special, and from there, it's just a hodgepodge of inconsistent tone, inconsistent art, And inconsistent storytelling. Sounds inconsistent. I honestly felt like pages had fallen out of my copy (laughs) until I remembered I was reading it digitally. (laughs) The premise is solid. The execution was nowhere near leaving.
0: Like maybe they forgot to scan a few panels or something. I honestly (laughs) thought it it
1: skipped three pages. I was like, what the what? Big trouble in Little China, number one from
0: Boom. If Ash from Army of Darkness can have his own mediocre dynamite comic, then I see no reason why the much more personable Jack Burton can't have his own monthly adventures drawn by the amazing Brian Cherila. This was fun in the spirit of the cult classic John Carpenter film with the goons Eric Powell nailing Jack Burton's character. But I have to wonder if anyone under the age of 30 is going to pick this one up. And if they do... Are they going to get it? I don't care. You know what I mean? I loved it. Like, I loved it, too. We it was, sold out. It was fun as hell, and I think this is directly, you know, shot at old guys like you and me. Great time, though. If you don't know Big Trouble in Little China, you might not get it. But I'm saying, buy it. We ordered a bunch and sold out. Cool. Scratch 9. Cat of 9 Worlds, number one, from Hermes Press.
1: This is a cute little kid's book about a super-powered cat that gets into adventures, and it's heavy on the cat puns. The art is pretty great. But it lacks that spark that makes books like Tiny Titans truly great for all ages.
0: Give me an example of a cat pun.
1: Hey, you, know, so that, you know, like so it looks like the cat's out of the bag. Oh. I don't know if that's in the book, but that's a oh. cat pun, right? Somebody
0: should have axed that cat a question. And the cat is like dead with an ax sticking out of it. You get it, right? But that's not a cat pun. That's an ax <laughs> pun. Oh, yeah, I guess it is.
1: <laughs> oh, boy. This is a perfect pick for a child to read on their own. But if you're a parent looking for something you and your kid can enjoy together... This might not be for you. Skim
0: it. Journey, volume two, number one from Aspen. The giant house cat riding busty half genie returns, continuing the search for her mother. It's almost as if volume one didn't count. (laughs) They recap it and basically say, I almost freed her, and then I didn't. More adventure. This is highbrow cheesecake Aspen fantasy at its Joe Maduria slash Michael Turner E. Est. Journey is another over-narrated, brave, pinup girl, and if you're into Aspen, you'll love it. This is well-drawn, if not completely overdrawn, and colored, and the story is fine. I'm just not a fan of Aspen's formula, but I can't call it terrible. This is a skimmit. Moon Knight, number four, from Marvel. I don't
1: know how Warren Ellis, Declan Shalvey, and Jordy Belair do it, but every issue of Moon Knight is better than the last. There's nothing more to say other than buy it! Yeah, we talked about it in the news, so
0: you know we like it. (laughs) Amazing X-Men Annual number 1 from Marvel. We're 8 issues deep, so that must mean it's time for an Amazing X-Men Annual. I'm not sure how that math works or why we needed this story to be told now instead of after issue 12, but I'm glad I didn't shell out 5 bucks for it.
1: Annual doesn't mean after every year, it just
0: means once a year. I guess, but then like if <laughs> they could have started with it at that point, I suppose. Artist Salvador LaRoca is at his weirdest here, and I hate the way he's drawing Beast with an almost eraser head flat top. The story follows a new inhuman looking to punish Storm with the death of his family years ago. I get why the guy can control sand, and he looks really cool doing it, but I'm not sure how he can summon giant African death gods that wield giant machetes. This didn't have the same fun tone of the regular title at all, and just felt unnecessary at best. And the backup collage story about Firestar completely fell flat for me. I have no idea what they were going for with it. I'm saying leave it. I was going to say skim it. Leave it. Spend five bucks on something better. Jim Butcher's Dresden Files, colon, Warcry, number one, Dynamite. It just sounds like word salad. (laughs) I've never read the Dresden
1: Files books or comics before, but I was one of three people that kind of enjoyed the short-lived show on Sci-Fi. This has brand new story plastered all over the cover. So I read this thinking that my limited knowledge would at least help me keep up. I ended up enjoying it a whole lot more than I was expecting. The art's really good, the story's fast paced and exciting. I'm not sure I'll stick with the comic, but at the very least, this issue got me more interested in Harry Dresden's world. It's pretty steep at five bucks. It's thick though. Yeah. And it's maybe not the greatest jumping on point, but this gets a very strong skimmet from me. Did Butcher write it? He signs off on everything and then somebody
0: else scripts it, you okay. know? It's okay. like... One of those Because he was writing you know. Tiny Titans Return to the Treehouse Number one from DC Nobody has more fun Making comics Than Art Balthazar And Franco That's science It's true And you can see it Exploding off the page Although Major complaint This had nothing to do With the regular Titans book And the regular 52 In the new 52 <laughs> And I was completely <laughs> confused I didn't get it at all Now this is just Ridiculous fun It's all a bunch of silly little stories, guest starring almost the whole DCU, drawn in the cutest way possible. It's irresistible. It's review-proof. Tiny Titans is just a ton of fun. Buy this. Read it with your little dude or dudette. You'll have a ton of fun. It's great. I think I've said ton of fun. You said fun at least four times during that review. It was a fun read.
1: (laughs) Tattoos!
0: Whoa. This is your ludicrous speed round, and "catouche" is the sound of Scratch and his nemesis engaging in some sort of Street Fighter-esque Hadouken battle, as seen in the pages of this week's Scratch Nine Number One. He's a cat, so when he shoots something, it goes
1: cat-toosh, Get it? I get. They. I think they know what a Hadouken is, Matt. Come on. <laughs> If you're like my co-host and recently realized that there's a hole in your heart where professional wrestling used to live, then you were watching Monday Night Raw last week when Dave Bautista quit and left Randy Orton and Triple H high and dry to go promote the Guardians of the Galaxy movie where he'll be playing Drax the Destroyer.
0: It was shocking. Now it's To say the least <laughs> Was it? Oh man
1: Now that he's got some extra time Dave was nice enough to join us for Charo Negros in the THN Sanctum Sanctorum To talk about next week's comics While painting the both of us green It's just, you know, it's Frankly, fun. it's a little strange
0: <laughs> Matt, stop flexing And tell the listeners what you're excited to read next week Next week, I'm going to do a huge Batista bomb on Wildfire Number 1 from Image. This is written by Matt Hawkins with art by Linda Sejic Or Sajik, maybe? I don't know. Sejic. Say- Here's the solicit. Is genetically modified food an end to world hunger or a first-class ticket to the apocalypse? Dan Miller is a plant biologist working with a small team, perfecting an accelerated plant growth process when things go wrong. Los Angeles pays the price in a disaster story, unlike any before. Matt Hawkins has been kicking ass on his monthly Think Tank book, and more comics from that guy is just good news for everybody. This sounds like it's going to be awesome. Can't wait for it. Joe Patrick, what are you reading next week? Wrestling reference. Okay, got it.
1: My (laughs) pick for the week is The Empty Man, number one, uh, Hulkamania.
0: Perhaps you could say something like, what are you going to do, listeners, when The Empty Man runs wild on you next week, you know? (laughs) That's, <laughs> these are the questions.
1: These are the questions we should be asking. Yeah, I mean, really. The Empty Man number one from Boom Studios, written by Cullen Bunn, with art by Vanessa Del Rey, who is super good. Here's a solicit It's been one year since the first reported case of the Empty Man disease, and no drug has been able to slow its progress. The cause is unknown, and the symptoms include fits of rage, hideous hallucinations, suicidal dementia, followed by death, or a near-lifeless, empty state of catatonia.
0: That sounds like Tuesday for me.
1: (laughs) As murder cults rise nationwide, the FBI and CDC enter a joint investigation of the empty man, hoping to piece together clues to stop the cult and uncover a cure.
0: Vanessa Del Rey, help me out.
1: She drew Hit for Boom Studios. Her art
0: is amazing. Hit was like a crime noir thing, right?
1: Yeah, kind of. Yeah, that
0: was good. Yeah, yeah, it was good.
1: It's weird. Like, I am not a horror guy who we talk about how I'm a horror baby all the time, but I really like scary comics scary thriller type comics i don't find them <laughs> scary like we're like i'm not into fantasy
0: but i love no 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 like
1: <laughs> no i i do not like to be scared like especially not visually or or like the startle scare like in horror movies but i love thrillers and like comics like this where it's it's kind of tense scary sure yeah oh i'm
0: excited for this yeah it's also kind of a light week next week. <laughs> we both kind of picked, like, end-of-the-world books, too. Like, these horror- are <laughs> I guess we're in a bad mood. I <laughs> don't know what the deal is. The t Trade of the Week goes to the Savage Brothers Deluxe Edition trade paperback from Boom Studios, written by Andrew Cosby, who is Bill Cosby's kid. I don't know if you knew that. And Johanna Stokes. Art by Raphael Albuquerque. Did you look that up? No, it's not. Art by Raphael Albuquerque. I just like to take people with last names we recognize and just tell people they're related to him.
1: (laughs) When you Google Andrew Cosby, the second thing to come up in autofill is Andrew Cosby related to Bill
0: Cosby. Oh, there you go. So more than one person has asked it. Hey, here's your solicit. When the living want their undead loved ones put out of their misery, the Savage Brothers are the only two guys for the job. But... Their latest job takes him on a strange trip involving virgin strippers, heads in jars, and the secret of the zombie apocalypse. Written by Johanna Stokes and Eureka's Andrew Cosby, before Raphael Albuquerque perfected vampires, he was giving you another monster. Zombies! Never has a zombie apocalypse looked so rich and vibrant, all under a brand new cover by Albuquerque. Andrew Cosby is white, by the way. Yeah, well, that doesn't mean he can't be Bill Cosby's son or brother, okay? Mine's like parachutes, Joe, all right? <laughs> this, by the way, is Raphael Albuquerque's first full-length American comics work. And it sounds fun as hell. I've never heard of this before. Me neither. I, I was g- not
1: aware of I it. I have a vague memory of it coming out, you know, on the stands, because we would have been working when this came out. But Probably. It was like 2002 or something like that. Yeah. But I never read it. And of course, nobody knew who uh, Rafael Albuquerque was back then.
0: By the way, we know his name is Albuquerque. It's just fun to say the other way.
1: Albuquerque. (laughs) After you're done screaming at the WWE on Twitter for destroying the Shield. It was bullshit. They made Rollins turn on the other guys. I was so pissed. (laughs) Let us know what you're excited to read next week at the THN
0: Forums. You Triple H. Actually, I like Triple H. Folks, once a month on this show, we like to remind you just how damn smart we are when we play a little game that we like to call Ask a Nerd. This
1: month's question comes courtesy of the THN Forums, board member, listener, friend, ally. He's on the board? He's on, well,
0: he's a member of the forums. Oh, the forums. I'm sorry. I thought he was like, whoa, 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 whoa. The message board. When does this guy get elected to the THN Board of Regents?
1: Chairman of the board, <laughs> Stanford Harvey Jr., Who writes How deep Should your loyalty To your local comic shop go If a new shop opens With better deals Location More stuff Do you jump Or do you stick With your original LCS
0: That is a good question That's a tough one One that I have Lots to say Yeah it's a tough one man Because like I don't know We've all been to Multiple comic book stores We've all grown up With multiple comic book stores And I've seen a lot Come and go And every time a new one opened, they had the promise of doing something better. Maybe uh, it's a different way to do the pull file, or you get a discount when you buy X amount of stuff, or a slightly different way to order or whatever. And I think it's important to look past those tricks. And and they're not necessarily tricks, but look past those gimmicks, if you will. Because what's important is that you're having a good shopping experience, and you're happy where you are, and the people you're dealing with know what they're talking about, and aren't trying to shovel you crap Because they ordered too much of it accidentally or something. You know what I mean? That is not to say that a new store that's offering a discount or whatever isn't going to do a better job than the one you've been going to. Ultimately, in my opinion, it's up to you to pick the store where you're the most comfortable, where you're getting your books regularly, and where you enjoy interacting with the staff. Because this is a hobby. We don't need this stuff. It's a hobby for us. So you should enjoy going to get the tools of your hobby as far as being loyal to a comic shop if they're not doing it right man well then maybe it's time to look somewhere else you know but if they're doing the job well yeah by all means stay there you know if it if it comes down to a matter of money and you can save a bunch of cash going with someone else and maybe you you know you don't enjoy it as much or it's not as nice a place or whatever I get that people have to make decisions like that and that sucks But it's really your decision to make. So you need to ask yourself, do I enjoy my comic shop? Question one, are they doing the job? Are they doing it right? Is it clean? Is it well lit? Are they friendly? Yada, yada, yada. And weigh that against deep discount or constant coupons or everything's on sale all the time. And make your decision there. That's all I'm saying. Because, I mean, it's good to stay loyal, but don't stay loyal to a place that sucks. You know what I mean? just because you've been there for a long time. And I know a lot of people that do that. I'm not going to name the name of any shops, but I know a lot of people that will say to me, "Yeah, I've been going there forever. You know, I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't stay in a relationship where someone was beating me up you know, just because I've been in it for a long time. Well, <laughs> it's not
1: that the place is necessarily abusive to them. It's, right.
0: it's familiar and comfortable. Right, and, and I get that. And that goes a long way. But you're also, you can end up rewarding a, a lazy shop. And there's no reason to do that. There's plenty of good ones out there. Some towns only have one, you know, and uh, that's too bad. But having a bunch of comic shops to choose from, it's a good problem to have. Pick the best one. Reward the one that's doing the job right is what I'm saying.
1: This was posted on our forums, and a lot of the early responses uh, spoke to a lot of talk about, like, the financial aspect, like, you of jumping – jumping to another comic shop because of a discount or going from a comic shop to online because of the discount. And I totally get it. I say
0: Let's just stay with comic shops. So.
1: I know, but I, I, get, I get why you would make the decision to leave for financial reasons. Sure. And if that's the position you're in, then you have to do what's best for you. But if you're not in that position, or rather you are in a place that has lots of sh- uh, shops that offer all the same... Like, their pricing is the same, but the experience is vastly different. Right. For me, and I realize it's very easy for me to say this as somebody that doesn't actually have to go shopping for comics. You know, mm-hmm. I I work, uh, I'm surrounded by them almost every moment of my waking hours. Right.
0: Every time I sit on the toilet, I'm surrounded <laughs> by them.
1: <laughs> I agree with Matt in that you should pick the shop that gives you the best experience, the shop that treats you Right. Right. And if you are in a position that you can put that principle over slightly larger savings, then that's the decision I think you should make. Right. Good for you if you can do that. Because I find that if you are are bouncing around to whoever gives you the cheapest deal, you will be constantly looking for the next deal, right? Right. And sometimes you have to do that and that's okay. But part of the comic shop experience is having a a home away from home Yes, where you can come and interact with the people that work there and the other customers shopping there. It's not just a place to go get comics. It's a place to- It's a nerd sanctuary. Socialize, yes. And to me, that is of the utmost value yes. above like how much things cost, if their back issues are more expensive than someone else's or whatever. If it feels right, if it feels like a fit, if you're happy there- then that is the place you should pick. Yeah, You chase a discount and leave that shop at your own peril.
0: Mm-hmm. And you may miss it when that shop goes away.
1: Right. And, you know, it's easy. Like I said, it's easy for me to say, and you have to do what you have to do. I can speak from experience when I say that I was going to a shop, the first comic shop I ever went to with a regular basis. I went there for several years. I had a ritual where I'd go every Wednesday after work, And it was a huge part of my life. And then something drastically changed in the way that shop was run. And I felt compelled to seek out a replacement and I found one and now I'm stuck with this guy. (laughs) (laughs) So if I hadn't found that, like finding that place, that place that made me feel welcome, that made me feel like I was part of the crowd That was honest with me when I asked how this book was instead of lying to me to get my money, except for Crusades. I will never forgive Matt for saying, oh yeah, buy Crusades number one. It's awesome.
0: It's not my fault you're a big baby. You don't like violence. Crusades was great. No,
1: Crusades was not great. It was terrible. it. It was Steve Siegel and Kelly Jones, man. It was not a good comic. I liked it. But if I had not found that, like I would- be missing this huge part of my life. And that's something that we try to provide. I don't want to talk about my shop. A good shop will work to provide that environment, a safe place, a comfortable place, a welcoming place right over any monetary concern. And that is what's going to bring them more business than charging higher prices or offering deep discounts or whatever. Absolutely. And that's what I think you should keep in mind when picking a comic shop. Or deciding whether or not you should stick with a comic
0: shop. And a lot of the times, the guys that are offering deep discounts are doing so because they're lacking somewhere else. And they're trying to get people in the door.
1: That is certainly something that I have found true with some shops in our area.
0: So, like we said, pick the one that's doing the job and doing the job right. Not just doing it cheap. You know what I mean? Find some place you feel comfortable where... You wouldn't feel uncomfortable bringing someone who doesn't know anything about comic books into. You know, nobody wants to shop in the stinky nerd locker room or the androids dungeon. You know what I mean? Right. An open, fun place to be, a nerd sanctuary, you know, a shop that's doing the job and doing it right.
1: If you can find a place where your wife, mother, girlfriend, whatever, significant other doesn't refuse to come in and would rather sit in the car. Right. Right then you've probably found
0: you're off to a good start. You know, and on the other side of that is if your shop is not doing that and you're just loyal to be loyal, you've been there forever and ever, well, you're now rewarding someone for doing a crappy job. Well, but there's something, I mean, I understand if you're friends with the guy or whatever. Like, I totally get
1: that you might have a relationship, a long-term relationship with somebody that's constantly screwing up your orders, whatever, whatever, but in every other regard, they're great, they treat you nice, you're at home there. And I understand. I don't know, I totally
0: understand. I'm not, I mean, maybe I'm a little crueler than you are, but I'm not going to reward somebody for doing a crappy job, no matter how friggin' nice they are, you know? Yeah, but what if if you've been going there for years and you have, like, a relationship with these people? Well, if there's a better place that's doing the job better and I'm more comfortable there, I'm going to leave. I'll be comfortable with them later, too. I don't need friends. Friends are for suckers, Joe. (laughs) Thanks for a kick-ass question, though. That's a great question. That is a good question. And we don't get to, we honestly, we don't get to approach subjects like this until you guys hit us with this stuff. That's what we do here on Ask a Nerd. Excellent job of coming up with a cool out of the box question where we can talk about comic shop politics for a little bit. Tell me this dude's name again. Stanford Harvey Jr. Stanford Harvey Jr. who has a name that sounds like he's on a board of regents. He sounds like an important guy.
1: Yeah. I'm now from, from this point on, he is the THN chairman of the board. All right.
0: There we go. He has no real power. Chairman of the Board of Regents. <laughs> Let's just keep extending. Okay, sure.
1: <laughs> Thanks for the question, Stanford Harvey Jr. If you've got a comic question or trivia challenge for me, the internet's reigning heavyweight comic book trivia champion.
0: And he is a heavyweight. Let me tell
1: listen, you. Listen, I know that by saying, hey, oh, fetch you. <laughs> <sighs> Post it over at the Ask a Nerd section of the THN forums, and you
0: too could get your answer on the show. Whether you wanted it or not, just like Stanford Harvey Jr. He didn't ask. No, and now he's got a responsibility as the chief of the board of regents or whatever. The hell That's he's right. got to do doing now. Congratulations <laughs> on your promotion, the chairman of the board of regents. <laughs> we need a, we need an advance on our uh, on our funding. <laughs> sort of break it break it down like this. That is it for another frustrating episode of THN. If you're wondering how many times we can recycle the THN Thunderdome shtick, you can subscribe to this show on iTunes or Stitcher or tune in where we still need your star ratings, your reviews, your thumbs up, and your little hearts, because it helps us to connect with other potential listeners. Turns out that Thunderdome thing is the gift that keeps on giving. I guess. We spent like 40 bucks on that thing, though, so we got to keep using <laughs> right. it. We got to get our money out of it.
1: Thank you to our newest sustaining donor, Blake Kaiser. And if you'd like to help keep us in subscription money for the WWE app, you can make your donation in any amount using our freakishly buff PayPal button. I think it might be on something. Yeah, no, it's clean living, man. At TwoHeadedNerd.com. And if you want to become a sustaining member, it's as easy as clicking the Make This Donation monthly box, just like Blake did.
0: And as little as a dollar a month really does help. Only Blake is giving us $300 a month. so So wow. many dollars. Thank you, buddy. While you're there, you can find links to all of our contact info via Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Skype, and the Ziggurat Hotline, 402-819-4894. Using this tan and oiled-up list of resources, you can hit us with your Ask a Nerd comic questions, your trivia challenges, you can beg the comic pushers for reading suggestions, or you can ask us to review your self-published comic, be it printed, digital, crocheted, whatever! Like the upcoming horror of loon Lake anthology by Camarillo Brillo hey and don't forget to go sign up for the THN forums this is your little piece of the ziggurat where you can discuss this week's show you can talk about your favorite Wrestlemania moment or just rap about comics
1: I will admit that I re-watched the Wrestlemania main event when Hulk Hogan fought Andre the Giant it was awesome when we reviewed that book it was completely awesome He picked him it up it made me cry oh man it was great <laughs> Remember to follow us on Twitter, like our Facebook page, and watch the forums if you want to get in on the question of the week discussion, and then be sure to tune in to hear your answers on the Answer of the Week podcast. It's the
0: best show on the internet. Obviously. It, I didn't say that. Somebody else said that. I don't remember who it was, but they said it. Uh, I feel right. like they meant it. I mean, don't bother trying to look for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. It it's definitely It's not important. It's just great.
1: But if you need more THN in your life now, get over to 2editnerd.com and, and check out the newly posted... Saturday morning cartoon, all about
0: uh, David the Last Dinosaur. Denver,
1: Denver, the Last yeah, Dinosaur. Denver, the last
0: Dinosaur. I know that because we sing the theme song "Denver Dally" in my band, and he gets so pissed.
1: <laughs> Where the Credible Hulk is trying to. Figure out what is happening in Denver, the last dinosaur, based solely on what happens in the opening credits. It is an. He has never seen a single episode. I
0: I remember Denver, the last dinosaur.
1: We've got ludicrous speed reviews by Aaron Myers. Mm. Not for the faint of heart. Yeah, sorry, folks. We've got the return of Batman Forever by Kevin Coffey. He went on vacation. He's back.
0: Double sized episode this week Oh, So he made up for it He did Good I was like really dude You made it four weeks Really He made it
1: seven weeks (laughs) Took one week off And now has delivered Twice as much content What
0: a guy What
1: do you want Dude's a young man A father
0: A journalist He's got responsibilities That is responsibilities Anyway com. There you go Next week, we got to take a week off. I am out of town, and Joe Patrick has to deal with some family business. I'm also out of town. Suck it, kids. But we'll be back. The following week, we'll be reviewing Raphael Grandpa's Mesmo delivery. When we take a look, it's in a book. You'll just have to... You'll have to make up your own raps next week. And post them on the
1: forums. Here's what I want. We'll judge them. Here's what I want. It's going to be a rough week. I won't say more than that. It would do my heart very well if some of you... Recorded some comic book themed raps and sent them in. Yeah, just for fun.
0: Just for fun. This week's shout out goes to former SNL cast member and Thirty Rock star Tracy Morgan. Morgan was in a serious car accident this morning when his limo bus overturned on the interstate in New Jersey. He's currently in. Critical condition in the hospital Just outside of New Jersey Word do you, Tracy We are pulling for you, buddy That is terrible news And also the six other people that were in the accident Oh, yeah, but they're not important I mean, Two he, of them died He is a movie star, Joe I mean, come on It's true, he was in he's not uh, little He people. was in Who Dat Ninja <laughs> Yeah, he was in Fat Bitch Fat Bitch <laughs> 1 and 2 <laughs> We played a dog But yeah, terrible accident We hope everybody's okay It's a bad scene It's a bad scene Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics. Most notably, Armor Hunters, the new Valiant crossover book. It looks totally rad because... I'm so far behind on everything Valiant. You need to catch up, dude. (laughs) It is great. I love Valiant, and they don't pay me to say that. Because your retailer, who just happens to be Joe Patrick in my case, will kiss you on the mouth for it. This is the Two-Headed Nerd signing off. You can take that to the
1: bank. Look, I'm not saying I've definitely kissed Matt Bomb on the mouth before,
0: I'm not saying it hasn't happened either. Uh, There's no reason to get all prude now. Everybody knows, buddy. Anybody who listens to the show knows. Hundreds
1: of people (laughs) witnessed
0: it.